Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 135, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today, I'm at the Guinness Open Gate Brewery with head brewer Holly Stevenson and the lead or senior brewer, Sean Brennan. Thank you guys for and women for having me out. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Good good to be here. So um, this is our second attempt at this because I'm incompetent. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to ask you again. <laughs> to uh, Holly to tell me the the great story <laughs> that that you just told me. Uh, so no pressure; it needs to be yeah. done as well as the first time. Um, how did you get into brewing? Because I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. How far back do I want to start this time? No. no I said just as good, if not better. <laughs> And you set the bar really high. (laughs) And actually, though, though, since we're already way further in on a timeline than what we are in the podcast, maybe we should take a quick break to try a beer first. Oh, sure. I mean, that that usually makes everything a little bit easier. I love it. And I'll hand you yours, Sean. Thank you, sir. So just so you know, on the flight, we have the Harbor Pilsner, which we just released. Um, We have an experimental hop, Rye Pale Ale, the double IPA. And the nitro vanilla mocha milk stout. Or sorry, just stout, not milk stout. Yep. Yeah. Mocha stout. So the pills is what I'm starting with. Four point eight percent all German uh German Pilsner malt and uh sapphire and middle fruit. I mean I would I would have fully expected you all to be able to make a perfect Pilsner and you did. So <laughs> This was, it, it was a fun one because we got to use, we used the legacy harp lager yeast on it and it's just such a clean, not super sulfury, just really nice, pretty quick uh, working yeast. I think I, when I interviewed uh, Peter, that one of the things he listed as his favorite parts of working for Guinness was getting access to the yeasts that no one else in the world is allowed anywhere near. Is is that a part of working here that you enjoy too? Uh, 100%. Yeah. And we've started working through the banks of things that have just been frozen for years. Uh, yeah. It we was, haven't brewed with those yet, but. Yeah, it was still pretty cool to, to go through some of the trials. And, and uh, you know, we basically, uh, one of our pilot labs brewed up a small batch of beer and tried a, a bunch of different ones. And we got to sample the beers. Yeah. Um, and smaller to, to see the, the flavors that you uh, pick up from the yeast. That was pretty cool. I was yeah, pretty we excited. Had, for that experiment, the, rather than being the bank in Dublin, it was actually the bank that was from this site when it was a Seagram site. Okay. So those yeasts were incredibly interesting because most of them were whiskey yeasts. Mm-hmm. So they kicked off a lot of really cool kind of Belgian-y uh, esters. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you always use banked house yeasts or do you use some of the normal commercial ones that a lot of breweries will use yeah we use we use commercial yeast as well um we uh yeah we, we use a bunch of different belgian strains um like we get our lactobacillus from yep. yeah just commercially available strains um we can pretty much play with whatever okay yeah all right so um 
We also pointed out that you were the second, <laughs> em- <laughs> second <laughs> brew- employee. <laughs> employee brewer hired. Sean was the third. Yep. Um, so now no pressure, but uh, tell your awesome story again. <laughs> how, yeah. how did you originally get into brewing? Uh, so as you kind of put it earlier, um, was, brewing is my second career. I was a recovering, recovering lobbyist. Um, See, I'm glad you worked the joke in yeah. because if I did it again, it would just feel lame. <laughs> <laughs> so I really got, I kind of got into beer and during my first career living in D.C., um, you know, luckily got to experience the Brick Skeller while it was still open. Um, and then Max's in Baltimore as well. Uh, so those two kind of, I mean, to me, they're like legacy beer bars. They they're definitely have to be in the, the top first beer bars in the nation. Yeah, and Um, just mainstays for anyone who even remotely likes beer in this area. Yeah. So I really got in um, kind of working through Belgian beer at the Brickskeller. And then as I got into craft and had made friends in Baltimore, I ended up at Max's quite a bit. Um, So those those bars played like a a pretty big role in my my beer curve. (laughs) So I became, I was pretty much was full on a beer fangirl. I met a brewery, met a, sorry, met a craft beer bar owner in D.C. that's now closed, but he was interested in opening a brewery. Um, and over the course of kind of researching what that would really mean, uh, I was like, maybe this is this could be a good career change for me. And so I researched brewing schools and ended up at Brew Lab in northeastern England. Did you do any home brewing? I was a before? terrible home brewer. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I tried it exactly once. I just remember though, I, I had decided already that I wanted to do this for a career, that I was going to be a brewer. And I walk into the home brew store in Virginia, and I'm just like, "Give me everything I need to be a brewer." <laughs> Went home. It was a total disaster. <laughs> I, I don't know what's funnier. Having decided to become uh, um, professional, then become a horrible home brewer, <laughs> or then if like you brew your first home brew, try it like this is awful. I'm going to do this as a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to taste this. <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad. Um, so, just out of curiosity, why did you choose England? So at the time, uh, so there. So right now there are brewing programs everywhere. If you're in proximity to a a place that has a bunch of breweries, um, you know, pretty much the the vocational schools or universities will have certificate programs. But at the time it was in the U.S. it was UC Davis and Siebel. Um, And then you had Harriet Watt in Scotland and Damon's in Germany. Um, And then I found Brew Lab in Northeastern England, um, which so I was able to do a, a certificate program there that really fit the budget and the time that I had to commit to it because I couldn't go back to school like for a year or four years. Um, I needed to work. So I found this great program that gave me practical brewing. So we got to brew batches while we were there. We got to apprentice in breweries. But also Brew Lab um, had a, another arm, which was a, a for-profit lab. Um, so the program was super micro and sensory, kind of brewing science heavy, which um, gave me a really good baseline. Uh, to come back and you know, try to figure out if I was actually good at brewing. <laughs> <laughs> so the 
UC Davis and Seaboard are still kind of like the premier ones to go to in the U.S., in the US yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, are there are there local ones that are well established? Because everyone I've talked to, I'm not sure in in Maryland to be honest. Yeah, I don't know about. Yeah, Maryland. I think almost like almost everyone like I talk to around here has gone gone to UC Davis or Seaboard. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I don't know of yeah. actually like in Asheville, the community college had a really well attended brewing and distilling okay. program. Yeah, some of the universities uh, yeah. uh, in Michigan actually have a full program now. Yeah, I know they're like outside of Frederick. There's uh, Mount Saint Mary's, and they have chemistry classes that are taught at like as a brewing class. Oh, that's cool. They don't have a brewing program, or they I think they may have been working on it, or they do have one now, but it was just the that their chemistry professor was really into brewing yeah. and the the one chemistry class, they just, they made it a brewing class. Like it's a big part of the, the class. That's cool. Then they have a brew brewing club and mm-hmm. he has like a three barrel brew house. <laughs> yep. That that was his, his homebrew system that uh, he, the club uses and the class uses. That's awesome. Then he just stocks his fridge. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't remember if you mentioned this time or the first time that no one's heard yet. So, um, but you, you, your first job was Stone. Yeah. So um. got my first real job when I came back from England at Stone Brewing out in uh, in San Diego. And this is now new knowledge for me because mm-hmm. um, you were about to tell me <laughs> how the experience from being classically trained in English styles to going to work for a brewery that was the polar opposite mm-hmm. of what was being done. So how, what was that shift like? Um, it was, I mean, it was very entertaining the whole time that I was in England because the teachers really hated what Americans were doing to beer. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, draw hopping yeah. was a sin. Yeah. Like, don't even mention it. But now, now they're all doing that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my the the guys that were teaching my course were pretty staunch, uh, like camera relay, relay yeah. folk. Um, so yeah, it was like incredibly interesting. Like, I learned nothing about packaging outside of of uh, casks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I came back and had to convert all my units. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was definitely a culture shock coming back. Yeah, but it, it was it was fun. I mean, I I loved craft beer before I went over there, so I was able to be entertained by their disdain for it, and then <laughs> come back and kind of reassimilate. I had I recently recorded an episode with um, two people from the states. One from Elkridge, Maryland, and one grew up in Chicago that now own breweries, one in Germany and one in Sweden. Oh, wow. So we did a brew podcast talking about like just what craft beer is like over there. And it seems like Germany is still kind of like 20 years ago. Because <laughs> I think he said there are like 40 craft brewers in all of Germany and they make up like one, like, point one percent or something of the sales and yeah so it's really interesting hearing the differences so i i wonder is it i I haven't been to england and the last time i was at i went to ireland forever ago Mm -hmm. when craft beer wasn't even huge here yet um so i wonder is is england further along like following the same trends as the u.s do you know or i think if i think it is i mean at least from 
there are breweries there now that are doing what the the trendy breweries here are doing yeah i, yeah. I agree with that there's definitely some two major big ones that are in the uk that are yeah that are doing yeah, i think no. it's evolved a lot since i was there Cause when i was there the mm. only craft beer was imported from either Brewdog in scotland or from the u.s yep and now they have their own scene mm. yeah yeah because the, the swedish guy said sweden's like right there doing oh, yeah. everything that's being done in the u.s mm-hmm. now yeah mm. i think that's probably true for england now yeah. i mean there's still both sides of it there's still yeah. your real ale yep. people but so you worked with peter in um the stone in, in san, san diego. diego yeah we worked we worked together for about a year i was there two years before him um we overlapped for a year and then uh and then i went to Asheville, and he opened richmond for stone and then now we're kind of reunited. <laughs> <laughs> and where, where did you go after Stone? I was at Highland Brewing in, in Asheville, North Carolina. So it's the oldest and largest craft brewery in uh, North Carolina and grown craft brewery. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a legacy brewery. It's 25 years old, family owned. It's, it's awesome. Like ancient in yeah. the oh, terms yeah. of craft brewery. Can you imagine being in the mountains of Western North Carolina 25 <laughs> years ago thinking it was a good idea to start a craft brewery? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're they're an awesome family. They How were, large is it? Um, it's if I had to if I had to guess, they're probably around the 70th largest uh, okay. craft brewer. So how did you end up going from Stone to there? I mean, it's a so at Stone, I really used that opportunity to um, to really beef up my my process and kind of management chops. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to Highland, um, I got to learn a whole different side of the beer business, and I got into recipe development. So that's kind of you know that that full circle of you know kind of rounded out what allowed me to you know to, I guess why I became recruited for this job. So I mean, like the I guess it's the dynamics of um, I, I actually they're they're just job boards for specific for brewers, right? Yeah, there's That's, like pro brewer yep, yep. and brew bound. I mean, so, so, it, well, I guess so. It's still a pretty big brewery, so it's not like you went to a small one there. It's yeah, like, no, it's like just, a, it's a regional brewery. Okay, yeah, Highland. It was um, south. I mean, distributed everywhere in the southeast. Yep. Yeah. So you just, did you know anyone there, or you just I, saw a job listing? I actually and did it know a, someone there um, who had worked in the lab at Stone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably a lot of um, Stone alumni that everywhere. are sprinkled <laughs> sprinkled throughout the country. That we are everywhere. That yep. got there, like learned their way. Sean is thing. Stone alumni too. Um, he like he only worked there for about a year, like way before yep, me. Yep, but two thousand eight. Yeah. It, I assume also the one in oh yeah it had it's, to have been yeah. the one in San Diego yep, it was the only that one time. at the time yep so you were at Highland and then straight to and then it. Highland yeah mm. and then I got the call about this about this brewery opening up and I was like whoa like I wasn't expecting to leave Asheville I'd bought a house there um we loved the city but you know this was this is kind of full circle like my best friends are still in DC I knew I liked Baltimore already I knew I liked Peter i mean guinness is awesome so i was just like okay i've got to i need to explore this opportunity yeah i kind of i kind of feel like if you like if you're it's one of those companies that if you're approached by even if you really don't think you want to leave that you have to look into it totally yeah (laughs) exactly so here you are the head brewer Mm -hmm. 
Um, so what what does that mean duty wise for what you're? It's kind of the it's everything that I did at Stone and Highland all in one job. So yeah. it's um, a lot of recipe development, a lot of the like kind of long term big picture planning, which I really really enjoy. Um, and then you know, I I get to, still get to troubleshoot things in the brewery, commission new equipment, uh, kind of get to scratch that itch, but without having to be you know working on the floor all the time. So I, it's a really diverse set of things that I get to do, um, from working with sales and marketing to having you know. to talk to people like me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just I I like the I like the whole picture. Yeah. I was like, I was not. I knew I long term was not going to be a good shift brewer because I just I I liked the I liked the whole picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got bored with repetitiveness. Yeah, I'm not that romantic brewer that just does it because they love it. Like you know, <laughs> like this work is going to turn this thing into yeah. something beautiful. Like I I liked all the other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's one at least from an exterior view, it it seems like this brewery operates even though it's part of a tremendously large um, international corporation that you still very much operate like a smaller brewery well because that's that's the cool thing is we are part of a global company but there was no beer there was there was no beer in north america so we we are building beer in, in north america so there's there's no other beer people in the company that are here. Like we are the beer people, yeah. right? Like so so yeah. It's it's we get to be nimble. We get to kind of blaze our own path. I I think um, we'll let Sean tell his story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to prepare him since yes. he's struck, yes. he's vocally challenged <laughs> today. But maybe we'll move on to the next beer and. You can tell us what is that this, is. Is this the, the rye pale? The rye pale, yeah, the experimental hop. Yeah, you want to talk about the hops? Yeah, so this is, it's it's experimental hop, oh, hop 06277 or something, but really it's it's Denali. Hopsteiner had already released it as Denali. Oh, okay. It, um, it I guess, I, I think maybe Denali Brewing or someone asked them to change the name. So it went back to being experimental until they could figure out the name for it again. But weirdly, I had never used this hop before and, we decided to do this single hop pale ale with it, and I absolutely love it. How much rise in this? About thirty percent. Yeah. 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 This um, hop is just incredibly. It's like fruit loopy. It is. Yeah, it is. Fruity, pebbly. So, it's so yeah. different. Um, I really love actually rye everything. And I wonder is that I haven't really. I'm with you. I pretty much only purchase Maryland <laughs> beer at this point, and some Virginia. Um, is that a national trend to rye or is that, or is it just the Marylanders love of everything that has to do with Maryland that rise? Yeah. I mean, catching rye, on. rye is definitely historically rooted in Maryland, but the U S has, yeah, the U S has yeah. been, I mean, I don't know. I've been drinking rye beers for a pretty long time. So, yeah. I mean, they kind <laughs> of like came up and already left for in the national market. Yep. Like yeah. founders, reds, rye. Yep. That was the big and one. And then Sierra's, um, what was it called? Ruthless rye. Yeah. But they just weren't sustainable. Not enough people were picking them up on a regular basis to be in the core. Okay. Well, that, I mean, I feel like Ruthless rye came out even after 
like some of the Maryland ones were really popular because I definitely had Monocacy Brewing's um, Riot Rye uh, before I had Ruthless Rye, and mm-hmm. Riot Rye is much better. Mm-hmm. Good job, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about No. That. <laughs> <laughs> Forget Todd. Yeah, Todd. <laughs> All right, John, how yeah. did you get into brewing? Uh, I sort of fell into it. Um, I basically, it was uh, basically a summer job. I actually had zero interest in being a brewer or being in it. I was loved wrenching on cars. Uh, so I was going to school for mechanical engineering and got a summer job, basically cleaning kegs as an assistant brewer at a brew pub. Um, and after about two months of cleaning kegs, watching the brewers run around, uh, I basically just realized like, that's, I want to do that. And I pretty much quit everything. Mechanic uh, is another, um, semi-common previous profession for brewers. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just like <clears throat> the engineering side of certain things and the mechanical aspects of everything, you know, you, even, in a, even in a brewery. You constantly have to fix stuff. Always and looking at it. Improvise. Yeah. And, you know, I think the big thing that I love in the brewing industry is I, I actually love the challenges when they hit because that's the way my mind works. I like fixing things, and uh, when I see a problem, it, mm-hmm. it, I kind of get more involved. It's when but, you learn yeah. when stuff breaks. Yep, yep. And you have to have kind of a, you have to have a certain way of thinking to be able to troubleshoot things. So yeah, yeah. To us, I mean, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I was there for about a year and a half. Um, the head brewer of that place uh, ended up leaving to open his own brewery, and uh, I ended up joining him. Um, and so he opened up. Uh, Really, it was basically America's first uh, all-aged, at least to to them at the time, um, all wood-aged, um, focused brewing. Everything that they brewed went into wood. Is it still one hundred percent or no? They have okay. now, yeah. So just uh, just recently, I think they started doing some stainless. Yep. Wonder, wonder if they're di- did their die-hard fans kind of give them a backlash to that or no? I think it was actually the brewers. Uh, the brewers wanted to, um, you know, make some good IPAs too that don't sit in wood all the time. So <laughs> it was just, it was like, yeah, we can, we can keep making all these great sour beers and stuff, but I want an IPA too. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're not really going to age like a hazy IPA in a, no, <laughs> no. in a barrel. No, probably wouldn't. No, probably wouldn't feel like any. Like we're all laughing now and then like we're going to look back in, in eight months and like the new national craze is. Yeah. Barrel-aged yep. hazies. Barrel-aged hazy sour mm. IPAs. <laughs> <coughs> yep. I, mean, I try it once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was pretty much at that brewery um, almost my whole career. Um, I born. I was in Michigan. I was born and raised in Michigan and uh, kind of wanted to, to get out and venture. And then that's when I left and joined Stone uh, in California. And uh, – I pretty much ran out of money living out there, so <laughs> that, was, that was sort of that was sort of the move back, and uh, the timing was right where the brewery that uh, I had worked for, um, they were expanding, opening another restaurant, um, and basically needed help again, and they were good friends, so they hired me back, and so I pretty much was there until I joined the Guinness team, which, which was pretty awesome. When I heard I heard about it from a friend, and uh, I just thought like, man, you know, I kind of cut my cut my teeth on beer with uh, Guinness draft and um, 
I was just thinking, like, just to be a part of this team, something, the history of it and how long it's been around, uh, it'd be stupid to pass it up. You also have family in Maryland. Which is I do, cool. yeah, yeah. So That helps a lot, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of my, my family came over from Ireland uh, to the Annapolis area. It feels like for such a small state, so many people have family in Maryland. Yeah. Like, I talked to so many people who have come back here for something. They're yeah. like, oh, we had family here anyway. It's like everyone just leaves and like leaves a couple <laughs> people behind and yeah. then they return. Yeah, it's my family. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> They're spread out throughout Maryland. Some are then they ended up moving out to Michigan, Florida, but most are still here in Maryland. So when you were at Stone, what what were you were you just a shift brewer there? Oh uh, yeah. I kinda started out they didn't have I was moving to California sort of regardless of having a job. Um, and at the time they only had like an assistant brewer, which was basically just running around in the cellar. And then, you know, they hired me anyways. And I just moved up the ranks pretty quick, but went that all the way up to brewer. And then I ended up leaving. <laughs> it's a beautiful area. I've only been out there once. My wife has family there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it was, it was actually funny before I interviewed Peter, I had figured I would just Google him and find out at least a couple things about him beforehand. Okay. And like reading part of the story of his progression progression through brewing, and then I found that like one article was from a Temecula newspaper. I was like, "Well, that's cool. I'll read that one." Because I just I heard, my wife's cousins live in Marietta, one oh, yeah. town yeah. over from Temecula. Yeah. So <clears throat> when we went to visit them, her cousin and I went out and just toured like fifteen of the breweries in Temecula that are in the one mile radius yep. of each other. And I was like, that place, the one place sounds really familiar. And I had, I had been to Wayne's or Wayne's, Wayne's, like a month after it opened. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. That is really funny. Because so, I was like, that sounds so familiar. And then I went like back looking through all the photos I took while I was yeah. there, and I was like, sure enough, there it was. That's awesome. Yep, that was Peter's Brewery. But it was <laughs> funny talking to like every every place out there. It was all like. The investor was from this huge Silicon Valley company. The brewmaster was from this huge brewery. <laughs> like every single one you yeah. went to had that story. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I loved it out there. I love the weather. I'm not a cold. It was person. okay. <laughs> it was I was. Okay. I just. I'm mad at the Pacific Ocean because it's not. It's not warm there, so. <laughs> like you call this a beach? It was constant torture. Can't get in the water, even when it's 100 degrees out. I never knew. So I went to I went to a Padres game when it was like 70 degrees out. It was absolutely beautiful, and there was no one at the game. Yeah. So I asked. We asked one of the bartenders if the Padres just were like really unpopular, and she was like, "No, people in San Diego don't really like it when the weather's not nice." <laughs> I'm like, what are you trying? Yeah. Like, this is absolutely beautiful out here. Like people are. Sp- Spoiled. Oh yeah. When I when I was moving back to Michigan, uh, it was probably one of my last shifts at Stone. Uh, I was walking to my car. I had the early shift, so it was probably about four a.m. And I just remember being like, "Oh man, it's cold." And like I was moving back to Michigan. <laughs> it's kind of October, November. And I was like, "Oh, it's cold." I had a hoodie on. I get in the car, you know, started up, and the the car says it's sixty seven degrees out, and I'm thinking it's freezing. Uh, I knew I was in trouble going yeah. back to the Midwest. You're about, you're yeah. about to move yeah. back to the frozen north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I think sixty seven is cold. I'm I'm in trouble. So, were you hired here mainly to um, 
for for barrel aging. I think I kind of or, forced my way in here, actually. Okay, you just um, showed up and like, I'm here to work, and well, no one knew yeah, anything well, better was, to say like you would little, leave. I think it was a little <laughs> different than probably the other people that were hired on. Is um, I wasn't even sure if my interview was an interview. Um, <laughs> I had you know a friend kind of put me in contact with Peter, and I was coming out here for vacation and seeing family, and I was just like, Hey, man, I'm going to be in town. Like it'd be you know, it'd be great to check out the brewery. I'd like to meet you. Just kind of say, you know, basically put my face in front of his so he can see who I am. Um, we, we were like, his family has a beach house. Let's hire him. And <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's yeah. never invited us. But. No, no. <laughs> so it didn't pan out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't even know. I didn't even know um, she had been hired yet at that time. And yeah, so I just kind of showed up. The brewery, you know, nothing was built. It was still under construction. They they were running the two barrel. Um, but none of the breweries, you know, they were still doing building construction. None of the equipment was in. Um, so were, did you two know each other or aware of each other at all beforehand? I, I knew of her, yeah. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there were, like, when both of you were hired, there were a lot of people I knew that, like, was was the same thing. Like, were aware of both of you or yeah. knew of you or in your Yeah, it's a brewing what community. You're, you're kind of, I mean, especially, you know, it's it's sort of a tight community, even though there's so many breweries. A lot mm-hmm. of brewers know everybody. And or, we have mutual good friends yeah. because of San Diego. Yep. So. Yeah, and Stone, you know, yeah. the family of Stone. You kind of know everybody from certain areas in that so thing. So much better that sounds. Yeah, oh yeah. So <laughs> bring it up higher. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that was kind of how I did. I just kind of showed up. <laughs> Here to work, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks later, we were like, "Yeah, hey, we should probably hire that guy, huh?" <laughs> if, he's, if he's just going to keep showing up on time, we might as well make it official. <laughs> he's got his tools and all the safety yeah, equipment. Yeah, we're yeah, like, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, he's got a big beard. And <laughs> he looks like he would yeah. brew Irish beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I fit the bill. <laughs> So yeah, kind of like if you were to like have a poster boy uh, Guinness brewer. Yeah, I was I was basically just a stunt double for Peter. <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> um. So were you always in interested in barrel aged beer? Did you enjoy them beforehand, or was working for yeah, Jolly working, Pumpkin? Yeah, the, working working for Jolly was the probably the starting point of. Uh, my interest in barrels um hadn't really worked with barrels maybe done a you know put put beer into one bourbon barrel i don't know how i keep wiping that glass off but every time i take a drink i stay like it still drips (laughs) on me yeah um yeah but after after starting that uh that was where my passion was um just it's so unique the different flavors that you can extract from different barrels depending on what was in it prior, uh, and also what the wood material and toasted and charred. Um, so that, that just kind of kept my mind going of like, man, this, we can get crazy. We can get even crazier with this. We can try this. We can do that. Um, so it was really fun. And so that ever since then, that's, that's, I've loved playing with wood. Yeah. Logistically though, that has to make things much more difficult, difficult having a brewery that's 100% barrel aged is it adds so many more variables into. Oh yeah. Especially timing. Um, you know, when you're trying to hit packaging dates or trying to sell, um, you know, hitting a specific time for release, um, the wood kind of determines, um, when the beer is ready. 
Um, you know, and again, that was sort of the excitement of it was, you know, oh man, well, you know, we'll sort of try it after a certain amount of time and then be like, nope, not ready yet. And then you'll try it back. Like, this is perfect. Like, oh yes, this is perfect. Let's package it. And so it kind of, kind of gets you excited every time you're, you're releasing a beer. Um, so do they use a mainly like a lot of uh, just normal oak barrels or they have just tons of fooders? Uh, sort of both. Uh, they start out with uh, bourbon barrels um, <laughs> and then move from bourbon barrels to uh, just regular American oak barrels um, and then then started buying fooders. Okay. Yep. And anywhere from a bourbon barrel all the way up to, uh, you know, a 500 barrel fooder. Um, we're going to take a real quick break to thank our sponsors um and then i want to get into what was actually the main reason i wanted to talk to you about it was the barrel aging that uh guinness has planned to do here yeah a huge thank you to our presenting sponsor roast house pub which is located at 5700 urbana pike in frederick maryland if you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. And so before we get into barrel aging, let's talk about um, a beer that probably would not taste well uh, if it <laughs> tastes good after being barrel aged. So what what is this one? So this is our double IPA. So we first brewed this on our two barrel system and we haven't changed the recipe. Um, we've brought it back a couple of times now, yep. um, but it's just like just a a really big kind of quintessential imperial ipa that you would have that you would have had in california like yeah. kind of like when they were first becoming big yep big bitter yeah. dry you know yeah. it's kind of like almost a palate wrecker yeah yeah for sure and yeah yeah what hops are in this or is that um, a secret no it's uh, mostly simcoe, simcoe and mosaic yep. uh, that's why so I, lo I love simcoe. lots of centennial in the whirlpool but um with those two hops, but I think it's just Simcoe and Mosaic on the dry hop, if I'm remembering yep, you are correct. correct. Yeah, I remember when that was the um, that was the hop that er, like it, that was Simcoe. the galaxy. Yeah, Simcoe was yeah. like the galaxy of yeah. the early 2000s. Well, Stone was a Centennial Brewery. Yep. So that was yep. our big our big hop. So I, I have a love for it from that. Yep. What's in Ruination? Can't tell you. <laughs> uh. A lot of centennial. Are they real? Se are they secretive about? Because actually, no. they don't. Have, do they advertise no. on the what what hops are used on the on their site? The I, don't packaging? Know. I don't. No, I don't, not on the packaging. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's. I like what their media is like nowadays. But yeah, no, they weren't. They weren't secret about it. Yeah. They 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 would do all the homebrew books and all yeah. the different brew pods. That's true. Really I have one of them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I. It, just like everything else in the world, um, there has to be a controversy on social media about it. But I recently <laughs> saw, and it's 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 always the most important topic of the day. Or, or um, the, there was actually, I think it was it started with an article. So it was within the comment section of an article about uh, people complaining about breweries that don't list what hops are in a beer. Mm. Do you care? No. 
See, um, I personally don't at all because my yeah. palate is horrendous. And you could, I mean, you could have told me there was anything in that. And I, I, right. I would have well, said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's in there. I mean, nowadays, but, if you're drinking an IPA in a craft brewery, like, you're not going to be like, oh, I want to know what hops are in this so yeah. that I make sure that it's not, you know, fucking topaz and middle fruit. Like, nobody's making an IPA with that, right? Now, yeah. I can identify Idaho 7 because that hop is garbage. Well, so that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of it. That's why I, 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 like, I like the fact that sometimes they're not because then I can uh, pick them out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or I can make them up and think that I know what I know. <laughs> that, yeah. that it's the hop I'm using. I usually am. I, my, my curiosity is only peaked when I taste or smell something that I felt like I've never tasted or smelled before. And so I you just want to know what, yeah. Yeah. what gave those flavors yeah. or aromas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't understand the, um, being upset that breweries don't advertise what hops they're using. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because most of the time it's such a blend of things that like it really doesn't matter at right. all what was used. Yeah, yeah, and quantities. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. What's your scale of, for yeah. reference? Even yeah. Yeah. what's it even? So what are what are your thoughts on advertising the IBUs of a beer? Uh, my my me personally for IBUs, it's I don't. I, everyone's palate is different re- regardless of what IBUs. IBUs are probably um, you know. It's it's a it's I guess it's a good baseline, but uh, forty IBUs to me c- could be super bitter to you as it is not to me, you know. Well, and what we know now so about would, would you argue that it's a useless uh, measurement? Um, I don't look at it very often because I would. Yeah, and every- it is useless. I think in dry hopped beers, what we know now about what dry hopping does to your IBU yeah. measurement and that your bitterness perception. Yeah. But I, I think it could be useful, like if you're looking at like undry hopped beers is like like lagers or pale ales. Yeah, but I mean you can have a a zero IBU beer that still tastes super bitter or or at least be perceived as being bitter. Yeah. And the only reason I bring it up cuz every week in the Frederick News Post's entertainment um publication, I list any new beers that the Frederick Breweries are coming out with. Mm-hmm. And most of them don't even calculate it, so I don't list. I'm, I'm not going to ask them what the and because I feel like it's a meaningless, meaningless measurement. Yeah. The number of times I've received phone calls, yeah. <laughs> or an email well, asking think, me why I don't list the IBU yeah. and they really wish that information was provided is ridiculous. I yeah no I think <laughs> it's it, I don't pay attention and I think it's mostly useless because most everything is dry hop now. <laughs> But yeah. also, like, but I can see why some people, like, homebrewers would be interested or people that think that, who who have kind of, like, a limited knowledge and are like, I know if this has a high IBU that, like, it's probably a style that I don't tend to yeah. like. Like, yep. I can kind yep. of I can see understand that, that yep. but. But yeah. I don't know. I guess I've been like, there's been plenty of times where I ordered a beer because it had an I- high IBU, and then I tried it, and I'm like, well, this, there's no bitterness to this at all, and yeah. then I was just yeah. disappointed. So I yeah. just stopped even paying yeah. attention Not to it. Not important to me. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me, it's just a, uh, it's a calculation. <laughs> yeah. All right. So barrels. Yeah. Um. Had. Do you have my? Actually, there's a lot of beer sitting in barrels right now, right? Yeah, there is right now. So, what is? Um, and you've released some. You've had the bourbon barrel aged, the Antwerpen. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, is that the only one that's been released so far? Uh, and large the only scale. one bottled, yeah, yeah, like large scale. 
We yep. did a few that just tap room only. Yeah, we had the Cascara triple that was yeah. gorgeous. That was awesome. And the stock ale, which is the turned out to be the influence for the next bullet, yep. big bullet release that we're going to do in the fall. Yep. So what um, what are your favorite barrels to use um, when you're aging? It, uh, that's that's a good question. There's not really a favorite. Good barrels um <laughs> because hey, you'd be amazed you get a lot of barrels that um are in really bad shape um is that just like physically bad shape yeah, or yeah, char- phys- like characteristics no, phys- of it phys- are- physically okay um but what's what's really enjoyable about what we're doing here especially with the bullet series is um we're using we're, we're able to use uh really fresh dumped barrels um for this uh next stock ale I believe they were dumped maybe two days before they showed up at our place and we With, filled them. Yeah, within 48 hours we had beer in them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, you know. Definitely did not dry out No, beforehand. you know, roll, <laughs> roll them off a truck and, and fill them. Um, so that was really exciting uh, to do that. And the aromas that you're getting out, you know, by putting beer in, you know, air is coming out. And the aromas you're getting out of that barrel while you're filling it were amazing. So the, the excitement for me for that one was just uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to get that into a bottle. Yeah, just high, super high quality barrels. Yeah. It's just it's a gift. It is. It <laughs> is. No, it really is. Yeah. And and you here at Guinness have the luxury of having so many other brands that you can pull barrels from. Is yeah. That- I mean, it, it's it's it is nice. I mean, there's there's the you know not. Uh, Certain things you can't you, you don't want to pull from because it's the lifestyle of a the lifestyle of a barrel, um, you know. Uh, but I think for the anniversary, um, we're doing an homage uh, to the rum that is produced on site and previous things. So we've aged got some, on site, not produced. Aged, yeah, sorry, aged, <laughs> aged on site. Um, so we've got some beer and some rum barrels as well. Um, yeah. Also bought some uh, some wine barrels uh, mm-hmm. from the local areas, mm-hmm. right, Virginia. It was in Virginia. Yep. Wine in Virginia. Some red wine barrels. Yeah, it's, I mean, in, in theory, we have a lot of access to different types of barrels, but, but like to Sean's point, like rum and tequila uh, are really where barrels go to die. So it's hard to get good quality barrels that you'd really want to use. Oh, because they've already been used for other so things many so many times. Yeah. Oh, and because rum producers just keep using the barrel over and over right. again, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. Um, so when you're, what are the characteristics of a beer that you're looking for to make before you put it into a barrel? Because I, I know very little about. Basically, I'm saying teach me everything about barrel aging. I know absolutely nothing, yeah, which so is an accurate statement. When you're when you're starting to think about you're going to do a barrel aged beer, you also got to think about the wood that you're going to be putting the beer in. Um, you know, like she was saying with red wine, you know, you don't want to put some beer in there that like a hoppy. IPA that's going to not necessarily blend well with the flavors that were in there. So it's it, what I love about it is you have to think about it more of a, a collaboration, almost a, a secret collaboration with the previous uh, inhabitant of that barrel. So do you always want to go with complementary flavors and not um, contrasting? Because like, so, or is it? Is no. It all well, sometimes the, the con- sometimes that contrast can create a really good uh, balance. Um, you know, like the whole like uh, salty and sweet thing. Yeah. Um, so with with the with the new series that we're doing, um, I mean, we definitely with the stock ale, we wanted that nice uh, bullet uh, bourbon flavor that bullet produces. 
Um, and then by putting in the two different imperial stout and the barley wine, and then we're going to end up blending, uh, pulling samples. Um, that's that's going to be the fun part is blending the two. We're not just putting a beer, creating a beer, putting it in a barrel. We're going to putting it in, then we're going to come out and sensory it and pull a bunch together. Yeah. It's going to be a pretty complex blend. We have um, about, I would say, of the 500 or so barrels that are full right now, um, 60% have a barley wine in them. Forty yep. percent have the Imperial Stout, and we're gonna we'll be blending in as well some unbarrel aged stout. So it's gonna be a really fun blending project. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I cannot wait. So when you start out to do something like that, um, will you just uh, pull a certain amount from? every barrel that you f feel is we'll, a candidate and then yeah. do different we'll, we'll blends to taste every every single barrel um over time so and do you do you go through taste them take notes yep. of what what each barrel is and then like come up with an idea of what you want to hit and what w that blending process would take or? yeah i mean to a degree like th i think we we kind of already know that we want to be around 40 to 40 60 with with barley wine and irs so when we're tasting the barrels themselves we're really looking for stuff that's just garbage yeah um and i think the the like real nuanced piece of blending will be when we bring in the unbarrel aged beer yeah how much to bring in yeah yep uh yeah i mean like she said you're looking for off flavors and other things that okay. didn't produce as well in the barrels we so you find the ones <clears throat> with off flavors Yep. If, yeah, if you've got one on that's fully acetic, yep. you know, then yep. you're not going to. Yeah. So would you use any of that all that. or that barrel gets dumped? That would get dumped. That would, that would get dumped. For us, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Now, a brewery on a much smaller scale, would they try to blend that in to blend out the off flavors? Or is that is that something you would always have to dump? No, some breweries, I mean, some breweries, it wouldn't necessarily be blended in to blend out the off flavors. Sometimes that acetic aspect is something that you would actually want. So okay. they may not save it for that project, but save that beer for another beer they're trying to do to blend it in to make it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, with barrel aging, is that like, do you have a very sophisticated palate where you're good at sensory evaluation. I like, like to think I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of like, so, I mean, there are like some high level indicators of, um, like it's pretty, pretty easy to pick out. Like if something has gone very lactic or very acetic yeah. or, you know, but you know, there are a few other indicators where you'll know, like if you have like pervasive, like wild yeast, um, yeah, because I fully believe I would be absolutely horrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I learned a lot about blending um, uh, from Jolly. So uh, the idea behind it is like like she was saying, we'll look for those certain flavors. But even then, we're going to look at the notes that each barrel gives us, whether it's caramel, toffee, um, alcohol, you know, um, a little heat behind it, and try to blend those flavors to make that unique flavor that we're we're trying yeah. to accomplish in our like head. Like we might have a handful of barrels that are super isoamyl, so the banana off flavor that would indicate a wild yeast infection. Mm -hmm. That's not going to, you know, it's not a bacterial that's going to sour your barrel, but, but you've got some wild yeast in there maybe. And a lot of times those barrels can add that that other yep. layer of complexity. And we, we will pasteurize our blend, so um, it will be 
as it is. It won't, um, like, there won't be anything alive that could change it in the bottle. So it's not, okay. so we could put a wild so yeast kill, barrel you, in and it won't kill get off worse. everything. Right. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So when, um, so how many barrels do you start out with? Well, this one's almost 500. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of barrels. <clears throat> that's, that's a lot. That's so twice as many as last year. Yep, yep. twice. So and, that, I, and the tasting those almost killed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so would that um, would that come from one brew day, or is that uh, over the course of multiple? Like, I guess where where's that being brewed? So that's brewed in the production brewery okay, where Blonde next, is brewed. Yep. Yeah. Over on the... Um, yeah, the 100 hectoliters. Yeah, the made-up yeah. number thing. <laughs> <laughs> what or, even is that? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Uh, those when I... When <laughs> the, the first Guinness X episode I recorded spelled with... spelled my um, name wrong. <laughs> with... with um, with Ryan, every time every time he said hectoliter, I told him he, he needed to uh, use real numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we did we did one entire tank of barley wine, which was uh, did we do five batches? Four yeah. batches? No, we did five. Five batches yep. makes one tank uh, of barley wine, and yep. then the imperial stout was. Yeah, we did the same, just yeah. yielded a little less That's because right. we wanted to hit a higher EBV. So. Yeah. All right. So throughout those five hundred barrels. Yeah. How how consistent or different is the outcome across all of them? It, it can be drastic or Hopefully they can be not. very <laughs> similar. Yeah. So is it mainly just the variable if there was wild yeast or something in it that will throw it as a huge outlier and then everything else stays pretty consistent? Mostly or is, bacteria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of the, the bonus of uh, how we get the barrels. By getting them so fresh, you know, the alcohol is actually... They haven't had time yeah. to pick right. up any... Yep. Yeah, it's sanitizing the, They're still the barrels wet before enough us. to kind of stay okay. off the, any infection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, for the most part, you're not going to have huge variabilities no. with these because... Right. Okay. Yep. yep. So, all right, there were the, one thing I, was, I wanted to get into was like the freshness and the wetness of the barrels being a benefit. So that that's, you just mentioned, obviously, one benefit of that. Does that also then uh, give you more of a bourbon characteristics and stuff too? Because there's more in there, or is it the nature of barrel aging? It doesn't really change much. No, the most, most of the barrel, uh, the bourbon aspect, you're, you're getting from the wood. Um, you know, the, the wood absorbs a lot and that's okay. kind of what you're getting it from. It's not so much the wetness. The wetness is more, I would say, uh, people call it wet, but it's more humidity. The wood hasn't had time to evaporate and start shrinking down. It's still all well expanded and swell. Well, and, and the bourbon, like bourbon itself is not like, so like bourbon goes into a barrel to extract flavors from wood. It doesn't go into the barrel tasting like bourbon. So yeah. what you're looking to extract similar bourbon notes because you're pulling it out of the same wood you're not just like it's the the point isn't to really have bourbon mix into yeah. the there's a yeah. really bad brewery in maryland that i feel like that's all they did mm. <laughs> actually they don't exist anymore so, I, it, <laughs> so you can say that yeah, <laughs> oc brewing it, mm. they're, they had a bourbon barrel aged something that i'm pretty sure they just dumped bourbon into it mm. <laughs> that's not good no well, he also defrauded people of millions of well, dollars. Too, and so the government if he did yeah. that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, that's not legal. <laughs> yeah. It was a fortification or something yep. like that. Yep. Yep. Um, so then, 
So do you do breweries ever release things out of single barrels or is it always blended? Um, most well, I mean, not like a, a single barrel. I don't think there's maybe it's a food, there's, some or like a large there's probably like some breweries that have done it, but um, just for sales. There purposes. was a brewery in San Diego that will go be nameless. It was a small brew pub, and they won a gold medal at JBF on a beer that they had pulled out of a single barrel. So there was like not even a keg left for people to try after they like yeah. like what's the point? Yeah. And that, that's that's sort of what I was a metal. Yeah. yeah, well that's what I was sort of getting. I was like, yeah, people don't really normally want to do it just because you want people to be able to try it. I mean, obviously there's barrels that are like this is amazing. If it's like super we're gonna, experimental. Or we're something. gonna do it in really small quantities and packaging and release. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, people do it, but. But I guess if it's coming out of a large fooder, though, then... Oh, yeah, fooders are different, yeah. So what is then... Is that a completely different objective dynamic than barrel aging? Like what? Well, it's all it's all barrel aging in a way. Um, but, but yeah, you have to look at... Um, I guess that when I... Like the traditional sense of like used barrels. Yeah, you have to look. Well, fooders are used barrels also, but so. yeah, you have to look at. Well, <laughs> or you can get them new. Yeah, um, you have to look at it from size because a lot of the the aspects is uh, surface area that the beer touches. Um, you know, where smaller barrels you can get a lot more turns. Uh, if you're looking for sour stuff in um, barrels, you're going to get a lot quicker infection uh, in the smaller. Um, barrels before okay. it gets into a larger scale um, because of the surface area beer it touches wood and how much that comes through um, so you you know as far as uh, sour stuff you're going to get a lot sour quicker uh, sometimes in a smaller environment than you would in a larger um, but even then even on the larger scale you know a lot of those uh, larger fooders are more just toasted um, they're not charred so you're not going to get that same uh, bourbon barrel quality as the char that you would in larger fooders do you all have any fooders? They're on our wish list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, not, not at the moment. Are, the, are there plans to, or is it just on a wish list? A wish list. Yeah. <laughs> there are plans in my head. Yeah. <laughs> you already have the spot picked yep, out. And you already it's, got it. It's taped off. I can already. be very clean. annoying. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get some of the stuff off. So of is it, it's going to operation <laughs> shut Holly up? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so are you using mainly used barrels or are you going to be using any virgin barrels? Um, well, right now we're using used. Um, but, uh, I think as we were saying on our wish list, uh, I would love to use some new barrels too, bring in some new stuff that we can kind of create our own, um, flavors out of. Yeah. And it's totally within the realm of possibility because yeah. we have companies that makes barrels yep. so a different <laughs> process to get them and different yep. different conveniently costs, enough different, you know yeah, yeah. i mean cost is definitely gonna probably play into how soon we actually start playing with something like yep. that but do they make fooders too or just no uh, they don't make no. <laughs> hey, so there's not much really much uh fooder use in uh, whiskey and bourbon <laughs> no, production is no, there no <laughs> they're not uh, aging rum in no <laughs> uh, uh, no you're just creating all of the kinds of new things today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Feel free to use any of that. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> so when you're using a virgin barrel, yeah. what are you are you using that then just to like pull the sugar, like the the wood sugars out or 
Well, yeah, you're, you're looking to get the wood tannins, the flavor of the wood, the wood oh, what the wood produces. Um, but at the same time, you also have to be thinking about what you're going to, if you're going to reuse. I mean, the whole point of fresh wood is to to get those nice uh, characters, but then also continuing to use the barrel. So you want to think about what you're putting in that because that wood's going to absorb it as well. And so you got to keep con- keep thinking of the continuance of what beers are you going to be putting in next. That way you kind of can extract the flavors and then also what they call basically like conditioning the wood um fresh wood generally you're you're only gonna you're gonna put a beer in for a very short amount of time because the oak is gonna come through very quickly and very harsh sometimes so when you're when you're barrel aging do you have to constantly take draws out of the barrels and taste them yeah what what frequency well it depends on what you're doing um bourbon barrels uh, a lot of times it's uh yeah you fill it and let it sit yeah, like we probably we won't taste our bourbon barrels sooner than three months. Yeah, yeah. Um, if fresh fresh oak, I would do weekly because the brand new wood it can do affect it that quickly. Oh yeah, the tannins and the and, and fresh oak are, are pretty pretty strong, um, so they can pull it in. Uh, uh, you can get a really oaky beer if you're not planning on blending it with other beer, um, very fast. So any. Um any beer that's labeled as just being like an oak age something, it would that definitely have been in a, or not, maybe not definitely, I guess different things could have been done, but would that most likely have been in a virgin barrel? No. Oh, yeah. it's still always. Yeah, know, no, yeah. To, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything that says oak age, it just means it's been in an oak barrel, whether food or, or barrel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oak is one of the, you know, it's one of the primary woods that are used, whether French or American. Yeah. If it doesn't say virgin, it could mean anything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So would you not then, like if it had dried up or any other things, would you not pick up the other, like any other characteristics from it if it had been something else in it? From a used one? Yeah. Dried up? No, you can still, you can still pick them up. You can rehydrate, Um, yeah. Yeah, you you basically have to recondition the barrels um, to hold liquid. Um, yeah, but I made even, that mistake once. I had a, <laughs> like a three, a little three liter barrel that I went to then reuse again. Yeah, and I like I was pouring water into it to rehydrate it, but it was so bad that it just poured it straight through it. it. Yeah. So that one just got soaked in a bucket. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you can get them rehydrated, you can, you can still extract the flavors that are still in them. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are some of the unique challenges? when it comes to barrel aging that you don't have to even think about or worry about with aging on steel. Well, you still think about it with steel, but a big thing is cleanliness. You know, even, even if you're doing sour production, um, you, you have to pay attention to that bacterial growth. Um, and, and the flavors that, cause that can really, if you get super acetic, then you're just going to end up with malt vinegar. Um, uh, so how, how do you, beforehand prepare or know for that well it's one it's it's sort of what we talked about is is know your wood that you're using beforehand uh inspect the barrels inspect the wood um and also know what was in it prior and when the last time it was used um a lot of knowing the history of the wood that you're using um can affect how you treat it or uh condition it uh, to put whatever beer that you're putting back into it so the fresh the fresher the better and like what other thing like yeah a lot of it just depends on on like what do you want to achieve right so um aging so quote unquote like cleanly so not in 
purposefully inoculating something requires kind of one set of care. Um, and then, like like Sean was saying, um, if you're going for spontaneous fermentation, you're you're going to treat the barrels differently, and you're really only uh, going to select for your you want your bugs to continue to grow but you don't want other bugs that you don't want to come inside yeah. of there <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. uh so you know, and then you know and then your other set is so that's like spontaneous fermentation right but then you've got an, your you, another area which is like specifically inoculated sour that's like that you're you're really controlling kind of the the pdo lacto brett like whatever kind of of variants that you want and you're really specifically inoculating something. Um, so it, I, I mean, it's just, the spectrum is so wide and varied based on, you know, what you want to achieve. You're going to tr treat your barrels so differently. So is there, is there anything you do to prepare like, sanitation wise beforehand or you just kind of have to hope that it, it again, depends. Didn't. Yeah. yeah. Depends on what you're doing. I mean, you can, if you know that you're going to, um, I don't know, you know, you can steam a barrel. Steaming will, will generally annihilate a lot of stuff. There's other. Cool. I wanted to ask that, but I felt like it was yeah. one of those things. No, if that we're gonna do, really yeah, if we're doing oh, no. like, oh no, yeah. oh yeah, if yeah. we're doing like clean spirits, we're gonna hot sanitize our steam. Um, if if we're like, if if the barrel wasn't wet. Yeah, yeah. If we're if we're not, it, it's one of those things. If you're not sure of the history of the barrel uh, completely, and you want to make a clean beer, you're definitely gonna steam it. Um, you know, there's other aspects of. Uh, uh, in the fooder world, you know, you can you can actually scrape the wood, you actually pull a layer off the wood, okay. and get sort of to a little bit of a fresher uh, thing than right on the skin. Yeah, I've seen when wineries do that, yep. where yep. they scrape it and then rechar it. And yeah, it's the same principle. Okay, yep. so that, that does that also work as like a sanitation type? Because don't they do it more? to like refresh and get yeah. the wood yeah to get it higher then. yeah that's it's yeah. that's sort of what it is it's basically to you know uh yeah refresh the barrel from from whatever it previously was yeah. if you really want to be sandy though it has to it, it's got to be like wet spirit or yeah or hot water or steam yeah yeah so now those 500 barrels you then once they they've aged to where you want them to be um in my mind, the next step is absolutely miserable. <laughs> and how bad is the next step? Not worse than filling them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So filling is worse than emptying them back into the... Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, no, next step, pulling them all over and throwing them into a tank. Yeah, so, so for us, they're in a warehouse across across the property, and we'll have to we'll have one person on a forklift all day for probably two days. Uh, loading, loading onto trailers, and then we'll have a truck take them around to the brewery. A person over there on a forklift pulling them off of the truck, sending the truck back to get more barrels, and uh, and then a team of you know two or three people probably uh, debarreling with a pump. Yeah. How, how many? Um, what size are your? So that probably then goes into a bright tank, right? Or is it'll go into no. for yeah we'll, yeah, we'll we'll end up putting it into a basically a storage vessel, okay. like a fermenter yeah. storage vessel. Yep. Yeah, so it's like uh, along the lines of like a blending tank, right? Because okay. then we're gonna need to clean it again before we send it to bright. So uh, okay. right, so we'll send it through the centrifuge. It'll take out any char or yep. you know any particles, anything like that, um, and it'll go to bright from there. Okay. Well, to the filter. But, yep. But then to bright. 
So what other exciting things that you can talk about do you have coming up? Or is there anything else that I don't know well, about barrels? I mean, I I'm know? personally, I can't stop drinking Pilsner right now, so I'm personally excited about the Harbor Pilsner yeah. we <laughs> had because we just dropped about, I think it was only 30 kegs, but we dropped some in uh, in Baltimore City, so we can actually go to some bars and find find beers that we've brewed here in Baltimore other than Blonde. That's the one. Oh, that's not packaged though, right? Or it's in, it's not in package right okay, now. We no. did um we did do a Pilsner can release um that was on site only, but and that's is, the one it, it, you're using the new eco friendly yeah yep. those six pack holders on yep 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 turtles friends yeah, there was some there was some other brewery that like afterwards tried to make a big deal that they were the first big brewery to oh, use really? them and I, in my mind I was thinking no. I received a press release from Guinness several weeks ago <laughs> that they were doing that. You're not special. <laughs> Everybody's special. Yes, yes, yeah. Everyone's special. No, yeah, that, that was the first time we used mm. those. So it was pr- it's a pretty cool thing. Um, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen that. So they, they, what they're they not very pretty. Like? They're, I mean, they're very clearly kind of, they're fibrous. Um, they're kind of, they didn't try to make them pretty. Like it feels like they're uh, good for the world. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like they were made out of. Yes, I I buy that these were made out of spent grain and yep. that they're gonna <laughs> deteriorate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're they're not pretty, but they're. But you can take they, them to the ocean, toss them in, and feel good about there it. There you go. You just yeah. you just fed a sea turtle. Yeah. <laughs> Todd's chewed on a couple of them. <laughs> I can see he's probably chewing on some in the corner oh, now. Todd. <laughs> So, do you guys want to open? Do you want to try that now, or yes. you want me to leave yeah. it for you? No, let's try it. All right. Yeah. So, I'll crack open. This is beach drink. That um, anyone that knows me, even remotely, is sick of um, seeing my face on Instagram. I've received a few notes telling me that they're uh, if they see my face one more time, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna lose it. Thanks. Let's make sure we don't leave any of this for Todd. Yeah, no. no well, no, I did Todd. give him his own can. I'm That's sorry. okay. Well, no, we'll take we'll take it from him. We'll take it from him before we leave. <laughs> beat, beat him up for his lunch money. I um, really hope he listens to this. So this was made with um, True Respite down in Rockville. Yeah. The strawberry lemonade goza. Mm. Dude, that's good. I love it. Yep. yep. That is Do you remember th- what the pH was? Uh, it was really low. Uh, three, uh, I don't remember now. Yeah, you're probably right. It's oh, nice, though. It doesn't, it doesn't burn my throat. No. Yeah. yeah. So. Three-something sounds good. <laughs> Three-seven, yeah. maybe? Oh, yeah. Yep. That's not bad Probab- at all. Yep. I yeah. think that's around where it was. Yep. That's right. I don't really like my my uh, my easy drinking sours to be below three-five. Yeah, I yeah. like to keep the enamel on yeah. my teeth. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I have, I have <laughs> but I have heartburn. left. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, like there are some gozas out there that are absolutely delicious, but like every oh yeah, every swallow feels like razor blades going down. Oh, totally. Throat. Yeah. No, this is yeah. super drinkable. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. refreshing. Yeah. So and it's named Beach Drink because when we were having a conference call on discussing what we were going to make together and. We we landed on a strawberry lemonade go or strawberry lemon juice because it's not it was made with lemon juice not yep. lemonade yep. but it sounds better lemon juice lemonade. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and then he was looking at his production schedule said it was going to come out and I was like that's awesome I'm going to the beach shortly after that I'll take that's what I'll drink while I'm at the beach. 
and um, one of the owners of True Respo was like, that's perfect. That's the name of the beer, Beach Drink. Yep. <laughs> and then he th- he's like, I can just picture your face on the uh, <laughs> on the can drinking a tropical drink with that's an awesome. umbrella in it. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like an amazing yes, idea. That's perfect. That sounds perfect. <laughs> and then he um, – he tried to change his mind because yeah. his artist said she didn't like doing mm-hmm. the human figure. She yep. mainly did shapes and stuff. And I told him he had no choice <laughs> at that point. That um, You were already sold. Yeah. If, if he wanted to ruin my life, yep. he, was, <laughs> he, he could change it. But uh, he better figure out how to make it happen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> because I had never wanted my face on a can of beer before. <laughs> uh, but at that point, that's all that mattered to me. <laughs> so thankfully her husband um is also an artist who uh did like illustrations yeah. of yeah. people. Yeah. So that's cool. That's pretty good. So my face remained on the can. Good stuff. <laughs> and yep, and now it's distributed everywhere. Yeah. You can, get, every, you can get it everywhere. Yeah, we'll you just can say get everywhere. It everywhere. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> but it is it it's sold out everywhere it's been released so yeah. far. So if you see someplace it's going to be released, yeah. you probably should grab it quickly. Yep. Because I've been falling around just buying all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I have wanted to. No one I'm, got to taste it. He's got, yeah. a cle- he's got a collection of cans yeah. with his own I had to, face I had to on buy a, I had to put a walk-in at my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But I feel like we did create the perfect uh, beer to drink on the beach. So. That's a good, That's a good one. Drink. That's a good one. I'll be sitting, watching the ocean, just drunk on beach <laughs> drink for a week straight. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, Sean, what what, did, what does Guinness have coming up that you're looking forward to? Um, well, I'm actually the anniversary. Uh, so, you know, uh, coming up August 3rd will be the full year anniversary that we've been uh, open here. Um, we've got beer that we want to launch. But um, for me, it's just the aspect of uh, all the time that all the brewers have put in. Like building this has been so amazing. Everyone and, except Todd. Yeah, everyone except Todd. Yeah, yeah. I don't count, yeah, I don't count Todd. Todd. <laughs> yeah. We'll fire him tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we fire Todd every day. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, he keeps coming back. So just to see that, like it. I mean, for me, it doesn't even feel like it's been a year. Um, it really doesn't. But I don't, uh, I don't know if it feels like it's been six months or no, fifty years. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just really excited to kind of hit that hit that mark and uh, celebrate um with everybody yeah it's just it's it feels like we've like in terms of like how we've grown our staff how we've grown our breweries um like i i feel like we've been through multiple years already yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it, cool it's kind of cool to sit back and realize like you did all that in 12 months yeah, yeah. and it, se- it seems like it may have turned out successful <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. We'll, see, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I mean, there's like at least a couple people yeah, that show up every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, we we. I mean, we have like really like diverse challenges here that keep us definitely occupied and and excited. So the tap room and the pilot brewery is one of them, and then what we're going to move to the production brewery that is Baltimore born that we get to grow regionally and nationally. Like I am so excited for what that is going to start looking like. Um, so that's a whole other challenge that you'd, you'd, people might not realize this, you know, bubbling beneath the surface for us because everything over here in the tap room is so, is, is what the customer sees, but, yeah, but we're just, we're excited on a number of levels. Awesome. 
Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, we're fully, we, we, we've opened the brewery, we're here for a year, but we're still growing, we're yeah. still building, um, you know, we're still adding new things, so mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of a, a never-ending growth at the moment. How did the um, collaboration with uh, Diamondback go? Oh, so fun. Yeah. Did it, the beer turn out good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the beer turned oh, out great. Awesome. It's already, I mean, it's gone, but, uh, but yeah, the, it was, it was so funny because it was the, uh, it was like. The worst snow that we'd had all winter yeah. that day. And, uh, <laughs> so and like, of course, like none of the carpet walkers, like none of the office people like showed up for work. Carpet right? walkers. <laughs> 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 and for like a second, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, you think like they're going to come tomorrow? Like if it snows, like it says it's going to. And we're like, yeah, they're brewers. Of course, they're going to yeah, show they're up. Gonna, they're going to yeah. show up. So we ended up. They ended up showing up. We had the entire place ourselves. Like it that was. was nice. It was the. It was such a fun day. Yeah. Like it was just. And you know, we just loved those. Because everything so. was closed. We closed everything. Yeah. Everything snow, was closed. Tap room nice. wasn't open. Nothing. Like, it was. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the beer was great. <laughs> it was a a dark Czech lager. Yep. So it was something unique that we had never brewed before, and we yeah. kind of got to come up with all together. Do you guys have any other collaborations? We soon been trying to find it for forever, um, and it's the date isn't set in stone yet. But I mean, we're we love the Monument City guys, and we've been talking yeah, to them for awesome. a yeah. very long time about what we want to make and when, and we cool. just got to finish that circle. But yeah, we're gonna be bringing with them next. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Well, we can look forward to that then. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, I want to thank you too for. Uh, taking time out of your busy schedules oh, yeah, to man. talk to me thank, and thank you sharing your delicious beer with him. I think surprisingly the stout was my favorite of all of them. I that, really, so Todd right. Perkins himself, don't give him credit, cut and hand scraped <laughs> all those vanilla beans. That was awful. That so this stuff. IPA was, actually, <laughs> I, 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 I had it wrong. It was, it was re- reverse, reverse order. That was the worst was one. Wrong. The yep. IPA. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Thank you so much for uh, taking your time to talk to me. And oh, yeah. Thank thanks, you, ever, Thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. Cheers. 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 The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God. That's good.